This is the PropTech VC Podcast. We give you unique insights into how innovative technologies are disrupting real estate. We interview top entrepreneurs, investors, and knowledgeable experts to share the inside scoop in this fast-moving industry. It's hosted by leading PropTech VC, Zane Jaffer. Let's dive into today's content. Celebrating those small wins are very important because when you're on the battlefield, um, it's a blur and you don't really appreciate how far you've come in the grand scheme. I tend to find founders, we tend to um, we tend to overestimate what we can do in the short term and underestimate what we can do in the long term. And every time there's a setback, it's the psychology of, of loss. A loss hurts a lot more than a win. We dwell on our losses and we take them personally. Because, and how can you not? It would be nonsense to say to, you know, any of the listeners, right, who are founders and want to be founders, don't take it personally. This is your life. You are foregoing safety, stability, sanity, sleep um, to do this. And so, of course, it's going to hurt. If it doesn't hurt and it doesn't hurt you emotionally, you're a psychopath, you know. And yeah, you have to be a psychopath to probably do well in a startup. Um, but uh, it's going to hurt. And um, that's okay. So try to dwell on the good things. And I think that's, I just, I, yeah, I want to hit on that point as well, because I think it's really important, especially in a world of where everyone's working remotely, right? Um, but that's also the nature of our business. We are kind of a remote first team because we're out in the field so much, right? Sure, we have an office. It's, you know, four desks in a co-working space, but the vast majority of our team in any given day is out in the field building, selling, helping, doing whatever is needed, right? Um, and so when you have that kind of remote first nature, you have to be able to find those common bonds and celebrating those successes has been very important for us along the way, right? Um, still to this day, every time a new subscriber signs up for our, our internet, three bells pop up on the subscriptions channel on Slack, right? Announcing to everyone that we have a new customer. Right. Um, the same thing goes every time we're closing a building, we're doing something similar as well from a sales perspective. So I think, you know, being able to make every employee attached to those small wins as they're happening in real time kind of is very empowering, I think. Um, and, you know, it's, it's fun as well. Yeah. And, you know, sort of the analogy that, um, you know, a financial analogy for people here is that you know, markets tend to climb very slowly, but fall very rapidly. It does feel like that when you're in a startup, that it's not necessarily one step backwards, two step forward. Sometimes you're, you're, you're climbing uh, in a building and there is no elevator, but often you'll fall an entire floor, you know, <laughs> and it's, it's, it's bruising when that happens. And just as a pitch is a, a play on emotion, right, where you're trying to build the, the person you're pitching on, their emotion so that they build this attachment to what you're doing. As a founder, even as a startup employee, you have a grand emotional attachment to what you're building. And local minimums can make every local maximum just disappear. Right, um, because you're so focused on trying to roll this ball forward, every time it rolls backwards, it can be kind of very demoralizing. So I think you know it's something me personally, it's I've always struggled with is you know always maintaining that you know that viewpoint on what we've done and been successful with, but also what else is in the hopper that I know we're going to be successful with as well. Looking towards that future, um, it's something that's difficult when you're in like you know as in my role, I'm very focused on the day-to-day -day operations and execution of our business, um, while trying to maintain those 
those you know kind of corporate goals that we've set um, and knowing that we're inching our way you know or even you know racing our way towards those goals it kind of what you know kind of gets me excited in the morning and you know why that's I, right yeah why, why I love answering right. email at 6 30 in the morning otherwise you will dwell on the negativity and you might encounter people that are like that and you can't really afford to keep them in your startup even if they're great performers because they will ruin the morale uh, you need to look at what's coming next and how things will be better. James, to define for us local uh, minimum and maximum for uh, the um, uh, people that are trying to understand that, that concept and how and lows, right? So signing a new customer is a high. Losing a customer is a low. Um, signing a new building, high. Losing on a sales opportunity is a low. Um, an outage is always a low. That like those are the ones that hit me the worst, right? Now we have very few outages, which is nice. We're very fortunate there. But when they happen once a month, boy, are they demoralizing? Because you know, these are people. You, when you when you deal in a good like internet, it's essential, right? People need that ninety nine point nine nine percent uptime. Um, so so feeling like you've let a customer down is always a local minimum for me. Uh, you if you break it down and you break down a startup's growth into a series of local minimums and maximums, at what point do you analyze what's happening and decide to fix something that keeps on happening, like local minimums? Um, have you got to a point where you feel like okay, this has been happening too much? We now need to dedicate resources to preventing some of the local minimums. And, you know, it, that's difficult to do. And the local maximums can just keep going up and up and up and up. And just before you answer that, I encountered a situation in, in the startup Vungal that I ran. So Vungal was the startup and we grew like a rocket ship. 850K year one, 15 million year two, 56 million year three. And then we had a plateau. It wasn't a plateau, but it felt like a damn plateau. We went from 56 to 64 something something around that right and then we went to like 150 and then 300 that year was when i realized we had a local we had a lot of local minimums if you want to use that right and our local maximums were so big that it, it kind of hid the local minimums but those local minimums can sometimes turn into a disease they can grow and grow and grow and they hold you back they're dead weight on the rocket ship if you want to put it that way right and you need to toss that, you need to fix that. So I spent an entire year retooling, replacing many people on the team, changing a lot of our marketing, you know, re-engineering our, our actual software and platform. There comes a point where you've got to realize and track, why am I losing deals? Why are we not growing fast? And the best time to do that sometimes is when you're growing fast and it's easy to overlook. Because once growth slows, you're suddenly gonna be going down. You know, and I think it's very, especially when you start, you know, the lifetime of, start, of a startup is, is so, you know, sure it's this 10 year journey, but, um, you know, we've been around now three years, every month of it is a 36th of our lifetime, right? It's actually quite a significant portion of what we're doing. And so if you don't spend that time to continue iterating on all processes, it's not really worth it, right? So, you know, something that we do is we have a series of kind of cross-functional committees, and they're focused on different aspects of the business. Um, you know, we have one that's focused on network maintenance, right? So just, you know, we meet every two weeks and go through everything that's happened in the past two, two weeks. We try to understand if there are recurring processes, you know, recurring issues, um, share tips and tricks. Um, but then it also kind of lends itself. We are constantly iterating on what we call our standards. And this is, you know, our standard of what we are building and putting out in the field. Um, you know, it could have been easy to just come up with a standard and lock it in 12 months ago, but then you lose 12 months of innovation 
and it, you know, 12 months of advantage that you have on whoever else is in the market, right? Whether they're Verizon or someone who's smaller like us. Um, so I think you know, continuing to process on those standards is important, not just in our engineering team, but in you know, kind of in my world, it's more customer success and marketing um, and everything we're doing as it relates to our customers once they've decided to sign up for our internet. Um, so I think you know, always being able to take that omniscient view on your work and your processes is important. It's difficult and being able to actually measure is also quite difficult, especially when things are qualitative to a certain degree. Sure, you can see the quantitative metrics like uh, this one building, we're losing some churn or we're seeing higher churn, like what's happening there. Sure, you can narrow in there, but uh, very frequently it's going to be much more anecdotal and qualitative. So, but I think those that kind of cross-functional committee process for us works quite well um, because you get a viewpoint that isn't just like the viewpoint that's been in my head every day for the last month, right? Or last two weeks. weeks. And in situations uh, like this where the real company building is happening, just as we talked about in an earlier episode, when you're putting a deck together for an investor, you also have the chance to rethink your business and how you might describe it. And that can translate in the future to being better at pitching and building a deck that customers might also you know, appreciate or outsiders might appreciate. Same here. When you're building standards and you're building processes, these processes will stick. They'll become your culture. And when you're a hundred times bigger, you'll be surprised. Like, wow, we, we still do this. Of course you do this. You're, you're the founder and you've made that the, the DNA and you're, you're training everyone else how to follow. So when, when a founder or a team is in a situation where they're having to implement processes, and it feels very different, right, than what you've been doing, embrace that. This is a chance to professionalize and double down on the way you do things. Don't go copy the processes Verizon has, right? Do them in your own way, even if it sounds kind of funky. Every company has like really quirky uh, cultural uh, things they do, but those things make that company unique and a stronger identity as well. Well, it's, you know, something to to the earlier point about, you know, kind of continuing to, to build that pitch deck and always be iterating on that. When we start a new raise, we start from scratch. Um, sure, in between raises, I'm kind of you know thinking about our existing pitch, updating it along the way because you're always pitching. Let's get real. Um, when someone asks for materials, you want to have something to send them that isn't just like cobbled together. Um, but I think that process of actually starting from scratch on a pitch is important because businesses evolve, right? If you're going through these micro pivots over the course of a business. 12 months of micro pivots are going to add up to a very different story probably. Um, and that's going to need to be reflected. And there's a reason you've come to that new story. So shouldn't you be excited about telling that new story as well? Um, so I think that, that, that process, you know, it's kind of, it's, it's true in every aspect of the business that, that we operate. Yeah, there is, um, I mean, the only way to learn all this is to actually do it. Yeah, you oh, that's, school. you know, com coming from venture kind of why, you know, look, my favorite, you know, Coming, I went straight from school to working in venture. I did not have any credence to be telling a founder what to do, right? Um, now, people took advice from me, so, you know, I hope that worked out well for them, and for some, it, I think it has, but, um, you know, what, what, what ground did I have to stand on? And, you know, but at the same time, working in venture, my favorite part was, working alongside companies. Of course, when you work with a company as a VC, you always exist at this 10,000 foot view. You're never really actually really in the weeds doing much. Um, so I think, you know, now being on this side of the table, what I, I love is the doing, right? It's every day, you know, kind of, um, you know, our ability to, to push that rock uphill is somewhat dependent upon my ability to show up and perform on a daily basis as well. Now that, that puts everyone kind of in this high pressure situation, you know, when, but uh, I guess, 
that's what gets me excited as well and why being a founder works well for me. Um, now, it also definitely leads to those sleepless nights. And, you know, maybe one day I won't have as many of those. But, um, you know, I just feel bad for my partner. She's stuck with me for now. But, but you know, uh, you know, it is what it is. You know, just to round up, any, any thoughts on maintaining a work-life balance and in your sanity and trying to uh, improve your overall uh, quality of being and getting some sleep? Um, you know, my, my favorite, well, one of my favorite activities outside of um, work is cooking. So what I like about it is, sure, it's kind of, it's a process and you're going through it and I like tinkering and I've you know, spent a lot of time in a kitchen growing up and, and now. Um, but what I love most about it is that I don't have my phone on me. Um, you kind of, it is, you know, what I what I describe as my therapy where I can zone in and I, I cook okay, you know, what tend to be complex things. And they take some time as well. So spending that 45 minutes to two hours in a kitchen, just focused, is fantastic for me. It's that that opportunity to decompress. Um, I'd love to say that I read, you know, 52 books a year, but I'll also just admit that I finished my first book in in a year just this past weekend. So, um, but you know, a lot of ways to decompress. But I think you know, for me, you know, cooking's one. I play a lot of Find tennis thing, as well. Right? Yeah, exactly. Find your thing that is wholly different than your work. Is not. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Totally different. Um, you know, some people have physical activities that they do. And there is one thing entrepreneurs tend to have in common, and that's obsession. And I, I've, I've, I've suffered from this. I'd work hard and play hard, and that's dangerous. Sometimes you'll, you'll, you'll break away from uh, um, your work is equally tiring. You know, I used to do mixed martial arts. Um, and uh, you know, you, you go, I'd go to like the jujitsu class in the morning, you get my butt kicked. Then I'd like limp to the office, you know, with like bruises. And I'm like now in the battlefield trying to, you know, build a company. Um, very contrasting to today, to today's life, you know, and hopefully uh, it's inspiration. Well, I think, you know, I actually miss being an entrepreneur. I'm, I'm itching to get back and start a company, but life is good. You know, you, you, you don't have to work as hard because you're on the VC side, right? And I'll, I'll tell you that it's, it's absolutely true. You, you know, I mean, you work hard, but it does not compare, you know, yes, you work hard relatively to other people because that's how you are. VC can be demanding, but it is in a different dimension, man, compared to, uh, running a company oh my god and you know the activities and i think maybe it's just as i age <laughs> right i i like to do things that are less stressful on the body um you know like reading is very good it could be gardening it could be cooking it could be going for a walk these things are very important and physical activity is important too but you've got to realize physical activity if you're pushing too hard it's a source of burnout it taxes your adrenal system and it's a source of stress so you, you do want some play hard, but you also want to make sure you you recover. Maybe it's yoga, and please not like heated yoga with like loud music on where you're sweating buckets, right? <laughs> yeah, as a lifelong tennis player, I enjoy leisure sports. So you know that that's that's my speed right there. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Well, look, this has been fun having you on the show. So uh, thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure.